This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less tax. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of WealthAbility. So the hardest part of entrepreneurship is relationships. And today we're going to discover how to build productive relationships and how to avoid the bad ones or the toxic ones. And we have a very special guest, Eric Barker, who wrote the book, Plays Well with Others, the surprising science behind why everything you know about relationships is mostly wrong. Eric, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. So Eric, if you can, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you decided to write about this. I know you've had other bestsellers, but why this one? Uh, my, my first book was uh, all about the, the science of success and looking at the maxims we grew up with around you know, success, whether they're true or not. Look at the science, the stress test them. And uh, Freud basically said the two, part, the two parts of life are like work and love or like work and relationship. So figured the second book, I should stress test the maxims we knew oh, about relationships. Go. And for me, it was crazy because I, I've never been very good at, I've never been very good with relationships. And I ended up writing this during the pandemic. So it ended up being something that probably everybody needs right now. It, it is. So, you know, this is a time, I, I think this probably been the most difficult time in history to build relationships. Um, you know, we've got technology that seems should help relationships, but seem to, seems to hinder relationships. Exactly. Um, we have, uh, you know, a lot going on in the world, but, you know, historic relationships are on the fritz, um, even uh, between countries. So um, how do we, how do we, protect relationships? How do we build relationships? How do we protect relationships? Let's just get, let's just get right into it. No, it's, it's really fascinating what I've found because it's, it's, you know, it's really crazy, especially something we all dealt with a little bit, you know, to some degree or another, or the pandemic was loneliness. And what was really astounding was just basically loneliness is correlated with every negative, negative health metric you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's terrible. But the crazy thing was, uh, John Cacioppo did most of the, the key research found that, uh, found that people who are lonely don't spend any less time with people than non-lonely people do, which sounds crazy. It sounds staggering. But what he found out is that loneliness isn't about just being proximate to people. You could be in Times Square on New Year's Eve and still feel you're not connected mm -hmm. to people. It's not about being proximate people, it's how you feel about your relationships. So it's really critical for us to kind of get out there, not only like have contacts or coworkers, but to try and deepen those relationships and get closer to people, not just to be physically near them. All right, so let's get get into that. So how do you do that? How, how do you, you know, just from a practical standpoint, um, especially if, you know, these aren't people you're talking to every single day, how do you how do you maintain those relationships? How do you make those relationships stronger? Yeah. So the first thing I did here was I looked at Dale Carnegie because that's the book we're all we're all familiar with. But that book's almost a century old, and it was done before the advent of most social science research. It's all anecdotal. Truth is, when you're first meeting somebody, Dale Carnegie's book actually holds up pretty well according to the science. Almost almost the, every one of the key pillars he mentioned almost is uh, is holds up. Is, is pretty effective. The only thing about Carnegie is that's, you know, is that's about the initial meeting. That's about like just getting to know someone. 
it's not about deepening that and like, you know, feeling a little bit deeper. For that, I found there were two critical factors and that was time and vulnerability. Time is a really powerful signal because you only get 24 hours in a day. If you're spending an hour with someone every single day, that's a clear sign of commitment. It's a clear sign you care about this person. And a Notre Dame study of 8 million phone calls showed that if people touch base every two weeks, that's what tends to maintain relationships over the long haul. The second thing was vulnerability. And that's just opening up, you know, because if we, when we show someone, we tell them something that could make us look bad, could make us look silly. That's a powerful signal that we trust them. It's not merely saying, I trust you. It's damn it. Here's a weapon that you could use against me. I trust you. And people are more likely to reciprocate. So time and vulnerability are the two key things for deepening friendships. So, so that's interesting. One of the uh, things we do when we bring in a new employee is we have them tell us one thing they don't want us to know. <laughs> so we, we, literally, we force them into the vulnerability. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's, it's really powerful and it's good for us too, because we, we need to open up. Uh, Robert, uh, Robert Garfield at uh, University of Pennsylvania found that not being vulnerable is it prolongs minor illnesses, it's correlated with a first heart attack, and it increases the chances that heart attack will be lethal. We need to open up. Yeah, so so talk a little bit about that. So a lot of us, uh, you know, I'm I'm a CPA, so yeah. C CPAs aren't exactly known for opening up. Um, yeah. How how do people get past that fear yeah. of vulnerability, that fear of being transparent? Uh, what I what I call it the book is I call it the scary rule, which is basically if it scares you, say it. Now be incremental. You don't have to confess to any murders. <laughs> you know, the first time you meet someone. But the point is, if you're hesitant, it's like like I, like I said, is it hesitant? Like, oh, this is a big deal. But if it's smaller, you know, go for it. And then wait. If the person reciprocates, go a little bit further. You know, this is a Daniel Hrushka did a lot of the research on on friendships, and he found this kind of back and forth, this reciprocation is how you progressively deepen it. You know, so if you're concerned about something work wise, you don't want to look incompetent. You could talk about other areas of your life. You know, you can say hey, I'm, I'm, I'm taking these tennis lessons and man, I am horrible at it. And that can progress to, you know, hey, you know, it's like, I, you know, my kids are in their teens. It's, it's getting challenging now. And then you can start to, if the person reciprocates, mention, yeah, this area of work is difficult. Because the thing is, a lot of us feel like we're not getting supported in our relationships. But if you don't tell people your weaknesses, the problems you're having, they can't help you. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Now, let's go back to the first thing, which is every two weeks. So you talked about a phone call every two weeks. Um, can you uh, talk about the difference between a phone call, a Zoom call, and in person? Yeah. As, I mean, as developing the relationship. Uh, basically, you know, you want to get face-to-face -face as much as you can. There is a difference. Uh, there was a study of, they did a study of like online cancer support groups versus in-person support groups. And uh, in-person support, I'm sorry, in-person support groups, uh, the depression rate was, was zero. In the online groups, depression rate was over 90%. There's, there's something about the emotional connection between sure. that. But hey, technology is, is better than nothing. The issue around technology, what's really critical, because you hear a lot of back and forth, social media is bad, social media is okay. In the end, social media is great if we're leveraging it to actually get together face-to-face -to -face, or if there's no other way to talk to that person, but 
the critical thing is we don't want it cannibalizing. You know, we don't want to have that. You get that social time, you get that budget, you're 24 hours every day, and you don't want social media and technology taking over where face-to-face -face used to be. That can cause problems. So let, let's take this into the workplace since we're talking yeah. to entrepreneurs here. Yeah. Um, so now we're talking about this whole get back to work, right? Get yeah. in, do we, do we go in the office? Do we not go in the office, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, like we did a survey and uh, over half of our employees say, I don't, I don't want to come into the office. Yeah. And I'm going, okay. At the same time, you're missing a lot of the yeah. benefit yeah. of being in a business organization. So, Absolutely. so, Absolutely. so what's the balance there? How often do people need to get into the offices? Because clearly, if you're going to maintain relationships, you do at least have to do that once in a while. But how often is enough? Hey, if you like financial education the way I do, you're going to love Buck Joffrey's podcast. Buck's a friend of mine. He's a client of mine. He's a former board certified surgeon. And He's turned into a real estate professional. So he has this podcast that is geared towards high paid professionals. That's who he's geared towards. So if you're a high paid professional, you're going, look, I'd like to do something different with my money than what I'm doing. I'd like to get financially educated. I'd like to take control of my money and my life and my taxes. I would love to recommend Buck Joffrey's podcast, which is called... Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. I hope you join Buck on this adventure of a lifetime. I mean, you know, I don't have strict numbers in terms of it, but the truth is there's there's a lot to support what you're saying, where basically, you know, so much, uh, you know, so much in critical. In my first book, when I was talking about success, it's like networking is really critical. And so much of networking, at least in terms of the office, you know, with the office, it's very passive. I mean, you're in meetings with people, you're bumping into them in the hall, you're seeing them in the elevator, that just stops. All of a sudden, all of your upkeep of relationships has to be very deliberate. That's really hard. You can do it, but it's really hard and it's not gonna be as high bandwidth as seeing somebody face to face. You wanna do your best to maintain that, but it's really difficult. Like I said, those accidental meetings, those accidental moments, that chance to talk with the senior VP who decides whether you get that promotion or not, or that you know potential client or something else, it gets hard to schedule. So it's good to get as much face-to-face -face time as you can, you know, while serious, while thinking about the pandemic and everything else. Uh, interesting. So, so if you were talking to employees and you were advising employees, you'd say get into the office. I mean, it's if for, for employees, you absolutely want to be doing that. And in fact, you know, again, you know, taking health and safety into consideration, you could look at this as kind of like a really powerful time right now, because if nobody else wants to get into the office, right. if nobody else is going to be in the office, that's a very strong leverage point for somebody who wants to get in the office and will have face-to-face -face time with a lot of other people that they wouldn't. That's, that, that's, uh, th this is a fascinating topic. We've been, you know, I've, I've been actually talked to several people about design of the office, design of, you know, how do you bring people back in the office? How often do you bring them back in the office? Yeah. And, and what it seems like is the owners always want to bring people back in the office. Yeah. The employees don't always want to come back in the office. Yeah. Um, my view is if all you care about, if, if you just want to be a piece of equipment, don't come yeah. in the office. Yeah. But if you want to be part of the team and part of the organization and an integral part, then you need to be in the office. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. I mean, if you look at Jeffrey Pfeffer's research at Stanford, you know, he found surprise, you know, amazingly, you know, it's like for you to do well, for you to get promoted, your boss needs to like you. You know, it's and this isn't like, you know, basically he found that if your boss likes you, performance doesn't matter as much. And if your boss doesn't like you, you know, it's like performance, you know, performance isn't going to say doesn't matter you. at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So that critical aspect of a getting that FaceTime, being there, but also, like I said, it's a really high leverage point right now. If nobody else is coming back in, it's clear your boss wants people back in and you're the only one who's doing it. That sends, again, a pretty powerful signal that you are a loyal, dutiful employee. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Now, you, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, optimally, at least every two weeks, you're contacting somebody to maintain yeah. a relationship. Yeah. Um, how many people can you contact every two weeks? You know, I, yeah. I look at it, for example, I just, as we were talking earlier, yeah. I just launched a new book, right? Yeah. And in launching the new book, I made contacts with people that I hadn't talked to for sometimes one or two years. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, I need to make contact more often with these people. Yeah. How, do, how do you, I mean, how do you decide, okay, I'm going to, I can only contact so many people. I can only have that real relationship with so many people. How do you yeah. decide which people, which are those people? Well, I mean, th this is where we're getting the distinction between like personal relationships and work relationships. You know, for work, for work relationships, you can be a little bit more strategic about it. You know, where it's like, what are, what are the high leverage relationships? If you're trying to promote a book or, or something like that, then you're going to be thinking about who's really going to be able to move the needle in terms of sales, exposure, et cetera. With personal relationships, who do you care about the most? You want to prioritize those. So to, to some degree, you want to be thinking about ranking because there is there is what's called uh, Dunbar's number. This is Robert Dunbar, who basically did research at Oxford that shows we can only maintain close relationships with so many people. At every level, there's kind of a threshold at how many people we can feel close to. And once and one slot doesn't open until somebody moves out. And this is consistent with all the literature because basically the research shows after seven years, half of close friends aren't close friends anymore. You know, there's this dance of who's close and who's not. So for personal relationships, think about who's closest to you. For business relationships, yeah, you do need to think about who's gonna be most helpful in terms of your career and prioritize those. Because you're right, we can't stay in touch with everybody every two weeks. Two weeks was just the pattern that Notre Dame found in the study of which relationships persisted. And what they found was the ones that stayed in touch every two weeks were the ones that a year, two years later were still going. Got it. So um, not all relationships are good relationships. So how do you, how do you judge, you know, when you meet somebody or when you're, um, you're trying to decide, do I want to develop this relationship? How do you make that kind of decision? I know you talk about that. So mm -hmm. how do you go about that process? So what's really, what you really want to be looking for there, you know, because the truth is we are pretty terrible. Uh, we're, we're pretty good at sizing people up when we first meet them. You know, it generally like the 70% level, you know, but in terms of reading what's on somebody's mind, body language, we're pretty terrible at that. That's what the literature shows consistently. So what you really need to do is, you know, it's, it's how do people reciprocate? So if you're making an effort to make that time and they're not, not a great sign. That's kind of a litmus test. If you're opening up and being vulnerable and they're not, again, litmus test. And then when you're talking about, you know, dealing with difficult, really difficult, potentially toxic people, like people who are narcissistic, you know, those are the, the times when we also really need to kind of test in that way. 
where we we want to we want we talk with them we want to try and develop their empathy muscles because they're probably not that strong so we want to emphasize community vulnerability similarity those three and if the person warms up a little bit great there's an opportunity here if they don't again they don't respond to you know community vulnerability and similarity they're they're it's probably not going to be there you know it's probably this they're failing the litmus test this is probably one you want to deprioritize so so in your research have you found um or, or looked at what the consequences are to staying in that negative or toxic relationship yeah it's pretty it's pretty bad uh what's really interesting julia Holt one stat did this research that you know you might think that enemies are the most difficult relationship that that's what causes us the most stress is people we don't like them they don't like us it's actually not the case uh the people who cause us the most stress are those frenemies those people in the middle those people who this time they're nice next time they're awful because that unpredictability that lack of control drives our brains crazy we never know what's coming next enemies you try and stay away from them you just try and minimize it that's easy frenemies are hard and the research shows that, that those ambivalent relationships make up 50% of our relationships. And we don't see those people any less than we see real friends. And part of this is due to the office. You know, you, you're gonna have to deal with people you don't necessarily wanna deal with for certain projects or entrepreneurs, certain vendors, certain clients. So again, that issue of emphasizing similarity, vulnerability, community to try and get that litmus test. Can I get this person to open up a little bit? Can I, can I see if this person has some goodness inside them? You know, and that's a really difficult challenge. If you can, you know, if, they, if they're not responsive, they stay difficult, they're not responding to those things, you know, it's best if you can to just minimize contact, you know, to, to the degree you can. It's the easiest way and most people don't try to do it because they feel guilty. However, business relationships, you may not have a choice. And if you don't have a choice and this person is gonna stay cold, distant, difficult, then you wanna focus on making it a more transactional relationship. That way you don't get taken advantage of. That way it doesn't drive you crazy. That way you're not wasting your effort. Got it. Like like uh, like my wife would say, don't don't pretend they're a friend if they're not a friend. I mean, if if they're <laughs> not going to act like a friend, it's like you know, focus on the transaction, focus on the business, do what you have to do because otherwise you're 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 probably going to get hurt. You're going to get taken advantage of. It's not worth it. Got it. So. Um, so when you talk about business relationships and whether they're office relationships, like you say, vendors, clients, um, whatever, uh, what what, are, what would be the like the top three things that you would advise people to either look for in the relationship, to deal with in the relationship, um, to to do about the relationship? I mean, I would go back to those those key things of like time, vulnerability, and looking for reciprocation. You know, where, because the key thing here is once you get past the Dale Carnegie, hi, how are you? Oh, your, oh, oh, your shirt looks nice. You know, you want to get to that level of like, can I develop something more akin to a friendship where we can trust one another? And the key element there is those costly signals. Time, vulnerability are costly signals. Giving you my time, that costs me something. It's opportunity costs. I can't get that time back. Vulnerability, I'm telling you things that might make you look bad. You know, so if I put that out there and the person reciprocates, great, you know, meet them and try and push a little bit further. If they're not reciprocating, then it's like, again, you want to shift to something more transactional because it's, it's not worth it. So that's immediately you want to get the friendliness. You know, the really key thing that Carnegie re reveals is that issue of building similarity is really powerful. 
you know, but past that, you know, push for time and vulnerability. If you're not feeling it back, okay, then, you know, down, down, down that a little bit. And if <laughs> you are reciprocate and, and try and deepen that to where you're spending more time, you're getting to know each other better and you're, you're sending those costly signals that, Hey, I'm investing here. Maybe you should too. I, I like it. It sounds like that's a good way to um, kind of narrow that field. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's yeah. only got so much time. Exactly. And really, and so much exactly. capacity. And some of us, you know, some people more introverted, some people more extroverted. So they, some people have more capacity for that than it was in the first place. Then that seems like a really good way. Those, those are really good approaches to narrowing the field. Well, another, another thing I would say is in terms of, you know, networking for both employees and entrepreneurs. Again, you have that time issue. What's really critical in terms of making new connections, new, you know, new networking is there's research on what's called super connectors. And that is if you look at your contact list, like on your smartphone or whatever, you'll realize that a disproportionate number of the people you know were introduced to you by a very small number of people. There's, there's this disproportionate, there's this one person who's connected me with so many friends, so many vendors, so many clients. So if I'm gonna network, I want to start with those super connectors. I want to start with those kind of hubs, you know, at the middle of the, at the those, you know, where they're connected the most nodes in the network. That's where you want to do like 80-20 Pareto. That's where I want to spend a disproportionate amount of my time is reconnecting with those super connectors and asking them, hey, is there somebody I should talk to? Hey, do you know anybody who might be good in this arena? If you only have so much time, that's the best place to, to start and to put a disproportionate amount of your resources. I, I love it. Super practical advice, Eric. Thanks so much, Eric Barker. The book is Plays Well with Others, The Surprising Science Behind Why Everything You Need You Know About Relationships is Mostly Wrong. Any final words? No, it's great. I really hope that everybody can, can check the book out and use it to improve both their business and their personal relationships because it's been a tough time for all of us. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I know for sure is that, you know, when we do improve those relationships, and I love the super connector idea, because when we get there, you know, my experience is uh, when you have those deeper, the better relationships, you're always going to make way more money and pay way less tax. Well, <laughs> thanks so much. We'll see y'all next time. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.